Welcome to Your Security, a podcast on walking victimless in today's world. I'm your host, Gabriel Grimes. In this podcast, I discuss how to stay alert and situationally aware no matter where you are or where you go. Believe it or not, it is now April 17th, episode 54 and day 32 of the COVID response. We're still here, alive and kicking. Thankfully, no zombies have started to knock on our door or raced us or chased us down the street. Man, I have to say that it is pretty much the craziest time on earth. I'm wondering, I'm thinking about Anne Frank and others who witnessed a worldwide event like a World War II or World War III, something that I'm sure made everyone think, what in the world is going on? And here I am, here in uh, 2020, wondering the exact same thing. April 17th, wondering what in the world is going on? Yes, it has been 32 days and we've decided to allow the government to keep us in the house because of a virus that is affecting many people. What I normally talk about right now is crime. This is the section we talk about crime and what's going on. And I have to point out that in this COVID-19 response, what we are seeing is not a reduction in crime per se, a reduction on certain crime. Crime like, well, you know, a shoplifting in certain places. That's because the shops are pretty darn closed. So there's just not the opportunity for criminals to do that sort of crime. And crime of, of uh, drugs being sold on the street. That's because, again, people just are not getting out there to buy the drugs. So you can't really say that that is a true indication of a change of heart for criminals. Criminals will continue to be criminals. They're going to continue to be people that operate outside of the boundaries of what is acceptable and normal in our society. What we have seen and what is sad to to have been seen and, and registered is domestic violence. And that is a very, very sad reality. In Chicago, in Houston, and in New York, and Los Angeles, we are seeing an increase in domestic violence, domestic abuse. Now, this can be anyone within a household, okay? Now, I don't know about other states, but in Texas, anybody who lives under the same house and um, is is partaking in an assault that is considered domestic abuse so it could be father against um, child mother against child a husband against wife wife against husband siblings all of this can be domestic abuse and with the reality of having to stay at home for this amount of time we're finding that there's an increase of this sort of violence going on, and it's very sad. 
I would highly encourage everyone who is listening to me that if you are finding yourself to be a victim in this type of situation, that you contact the authorities. Please note that you are not alone. Uh, there are programs and plans in place for you. You do not have to stay where you are. You can contact the, the authorities. They will respond. They will take care of you. It's very important for you to realize that you have a resource. You can get out of there. You know, I always talk about having a plan and executing a plan. Well, the plan in this situation is to get help, whether it is outside of the family, outside of the household, but you do need to get help. It is late in the day, and so I'm just gonna cut to the chase. That means I'm cutting to the numbers. That's right. So let's look at John Hopkins University. John Hopkins University has us registered as having lost 13,202 lives in New York City because of the coronavirus. 13,202. And in New York City, the New York City Health Department, we have 700 and excuse me, 7,890 confirmed deaths because of the COVID-19 and 4,309 probable deaths. Now, on their website, now I'm, both of these links are going to be placed at the bottom or in the description of this podcast. But in this, the description on this website, it says probable deaths are people who did not have a positive COVID-19 laboratorial chest test, but their death certificates list as the cause of death as COVID-19 or an equivalent. Now, if you measure 13,202 from John Hopkins, and then New York City's 7,890 plus the 4,309, they still don't match. So miracles upon miracles. Yesterday, the numbers were completely the same. Today, not so much. Why? I don't know. Again, we're going to have to find that out later. But it's, it is close. It is close. What I do find really disturbing is that the probable deaths of 4,309 are deaths that are, that have a that have not been positively identified as COVID-19 and yet have been identified as COVID-19 deaths. What is that about? Aren't we supposed to be exact when we're talking about official documentation? And yet here we are, at least not us, but the federal government, the local government, the city government, making determinations on the cause of death being COVID-19 when those deaths are not positively confirmed as COVID-19 related. Why is that happening? I don't know. What do you think? What I have said in the past and what I will continue to say today and forever, we must have a plan. And it is obvious that many cities 
many states and perhaps even the government, the federal government, just did not have a plan on how to deal with this sort of event. I mean, how do you? Practically, I mean, how do you plan for an event that's going to close down the world? It's kind of hard, but it's obvious that there were no plans. And at the very least, there hasn't been any plans on proper communication, standardized delivery of anything, um, or or how to address it, any standardization on how to address this situation. So what does that cost? It's caused confusion, it's caused questioning. It has people on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wondering, and TikTok even, wondering what is it that we're supposed to do? Is the COVID-19 as dangerous as it really is being reported? And the funny thing is, our scientists and our doctors are not even reporting this as if they know what they're talking about either. Because you have one scientist, a group of scientists saying one thing, and you have another group of scientists saying something completely different. Um, but enough to create enough to create confusion and question about everything that's been going on. So what does this say about crisis management? It says that we need to have a clear idea of who the leader should be. We should have a clear idea of who and what the team should look like, who's supposed to be on the team, the crisis management team. What are the roles and responsibilities of each and every crisis management team? And then a proper communication plan. It is super important. Above all, I don't, well, I don't know about above all, but it is right up there with the high priority of every crisis management team is proper communication to its stakeholders and with um, its employees and in general. It, it, communication is essential. And I think now in today's age, it is is even more. I mean, we have with so many different media outlets it's important for there to be a centralized uh, point of reference of what is the official message. Now, granted, I'm not trying to say that everyone's supposed to say the same thing. I'm not trying to say that everybody is supposed to mimic what the crisis management team says. I'm not trying to withdraw or hold back the rights that the Constitution has given us to say what we feel is right or wrong. No, those are opinions and those are fine, but the crisis management team must be unified in its process and its goals, and it has to be clear and transparent in its communication. It's essential. And if you don't have that, well, you kind of have chaos. Positive mental attitude. What are you doing to keep your positive mental attitude? What I have done is cooking. As you've probably heard in the past episodes, I talk about cooking, what I like to cook. Today, I made the most amazing smash burgers. So what I did was I took a, a pound of ground beef and I split it into eight, eight uh 
separate and equal sizes, rolled them into balls, and with a hot skillet, I smashed them into perfectly round but very thin patties. When it was finished grilling, I flipped them over, put some cheese on it, and then put them onto a burger with some... um, some peppers that I had pre-sauteed, some lettuce, onions, tomatoes, and with a special sauce. It was amazing. Why do I want to entice you any further? It's it's found on my YouTube channel, but I have to say it came out fantastic. That's what I did. Completely natural, whole foods. It was a whole food burger. I know it's not necessarily healthy, but it is a whole food burger. Simple ingredients, that's what it's all about, simple ingredients. And what else did I do? No, I did not go out walking. Wish I had, but I did not. Sun was shining, yes, it was it my fault, yes, I did not go outside walking. And I have to say, I think I would have felt better if I had walked, but in any case, I haven't. And I am uh, very happy to say that I am still very positive, I'm excited excited about tomorrow. I'm excited about day 33 of the COVID response. In any case, thanks for tuning in. I do appreciate it. And I wanted you all to know that keep having, have a plan, stay alert and aware. And remember, you are security.